Fearing for Our Lives may contain content not suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. everyone, and welcome to Fearing for Our Lives, the podcast where two friends talk about what scares us the most. I'm your host, Ashley, here with your other host, Kenny. Hello. And I wanted to start this episode off with an update. Okay. In the last episode, the Cecil Hotel episode, we made the joke about trying to figure out the longest book title. Right. And I referred to it as characters, which you did not like. No. So we Googled it, and we had told everyone we'd post about it, put it up somewhere, but there's no way that this was going to (laughs) fit. It's ridiculous. So the Guinness World Record for the longest book title belongs to Vityala Yathindra. Oh, wow. That's not how I would have said that. I, you know, I'm hoping I'm correct. If not, I'm so sorry, person who knows... Nothing about my existence. (laughs) I'm sure you're closer than I am. Like, now that I look at it, I'm like, okay, I can see how she got there. But I would have Englishified the shit out of that name. (laughs) Anywho, Vityala Yathindra wrote his book, The Historical Development of the Heart from its Formation from... And then it just keeps going. For over 3,000... 777 words and over 26,000 characters. Do you hear that, Ashley? Yes. 26,000 characters. I know. I read that too and went, oh, he was right. (laughs) I was so excited when I saw they categorized it as characters. I was like, in your face. Um, While we're talking about last episode, I want to take a quick moment to shout out Well, everyone who listened to the episode and responded to it, but specifically, we had one listener message me and they said, hey, Kenny, I really loved this past episode, but I also really identified with the story that you (laughs) said at the beginning, because one time when I was living at my apartment on the ground floor. Oh, I've done that. I've lived on the ground floor. It's scary. Thankfully, I haven't had to do that, but she was specifically mentioning one time one of her neighbors accidentally locked themselves out of the building, and rather than call someone inside of the building, they just decided to knock on her window. (gasps) No. Yeah, you don't fucking do that. That's creepy as shit. I don't care who you are. If you're just like a mass outside my window, I'm calling the police. (laughs) Well, she... Decided she was going to grab a baseball bat. Oh, like you in the story. Yes. Okay. But it's a little different because she armed herself in one hand with a baseball bat and in the other, a sword. Oh, my God. Which is so much more badass that's than a- my story. That's amazing. Now, part of me wishes she had, like, charged into battle, <laughs> armed one hand with a sword and one hand with a baseball bat. 
But unfortunately, she does lock herself in the bathroom until her boyfriend got home. <laughs> so she loses some of the badassery points of having a sword, but I I'm, thought it was so funny. I I feel like if I had a sword, I would do a similar thing. Just because you have a sword doesn't mean you're running into battle. She was more so, I'm assuming, like, you know what? If he continues to knock on my window and then takes it further and breaks in, then I'm ready for, on the defensive. No, she's going to turn to her pet. We'll say it's a cat. And she would be like, Kitty, we sit in this hour of need <laughs> and we shall defend our kingdom. Which, that's what it should have happened. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> our first fan response and you judge him on air. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. They did the logical thing. I wanted them to do the fun and exciting thing. Right. So. Yeah, I'm happy you pointed that out. Yeah. For future reference, if anyone does a similar thing, please don't charge into battle. <laughs> Unless you think you can take them. No. <laughs> Good God, no. Oh. Just do what she did, hide in the bathroom, and then take it a step further and call the police. <laughs> yes, call the police. <laughs> oh my God. Speaking of police, I saw a TikTok this week from a woman um, where she asked the question to her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. She said, if I go missing, mm -hmm. what picture do you provide the police? <laughs> Which That's amazing. I, I thought that was hilarious, but then it really made me start to regret my decisions in life because the most recent photo of me has got to be like three years ago. <laughs> my profile pictures are all like strange objects or other people. And they're never of me. So oh, like that's true. Yes. I don't know what I would do in that situation. I feel like you wouldn't like the photo, <laughs> but I probably have a photo somewhere with you and one of your cats. Yeah, I wouldn't like those, I'm sure. Yeah, because you're just like shirtless on your couch, <laughs> all like, like giddy smiling because the cat's like all curled up and cute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I ever go missing, just let me die. Oh Don't supply God. those photos. <laughs> Maybe your mom has something? No, she definitely doesn't. Ugh. Then, yeah, it's definitely the cat photos for you. Yep. What about you? What photo would it be for you? Honestly, I think... So, my profile pictures aren't, like, weird addresses like yours. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I've updated my last profile photo for, like, three years. So, we're both shit out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably... Now that we have a, a public podcast... We should probably start taking like pictures relatively frequently, like next to, like with today's date on them. <laughs> we have a newspaper in one yeah, hand and yeah. a fun little look on our face. Like, we're ready. That'll be the cover art for each week's episode. Just us <laughs> with the date of the episode release. Oh my gosh. No, we couldn't do that. Cause then I'd have to put like effort into what I look like. More often than I already do. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun idea. But but we're passing on it? Probably. Okay. Maybe maybe like once every three months. All right. We'll like toss a fun photo out somewhere. Yeah. The, the quarterly review of 
how we look. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. Honestly, last week you were like, I'm scared of all of this. Mm-hmm. And this week, instead of being scared, you're trying to be prepared. And if there's nothing else that comes out of this podcast, then I'm fine. And I'm so proud of you. <laughs> How quickly you've corrupted me. <laughs> You're like, you know, I didn't think about it very often. It made me, you know, lose sleep. But now I have an action plan in place <laughs> for the moment I am kidnapped. <laughs> God, I can't talk about this anymore. Let's get to the ads. Okay. <laughs> Are you looking for a stunning sign for your business? Or maybe you need that final touch to turn your house into a home. Well, look no further than Northridge Creations. Get beautiful and often customizable metal art and signs that are sure to catch everyone's eye. Northridge Creations offers a powder coat finish in a variety of colors, making your piece not only more unique, but weatherproof and rust-resistant for life. Guaranteed. They also offer custom backlighting, ensuring your piece can't be missed. And if you're looking for something a little more practical, they can create custom bonfire pits, outdoor fixtures such as mailbox and address signs. Basically, if you can imagine it, they'll be able to do it. Recently, I entrusted Northridge Creations with a gift for my mother. And boy, did they knock it out of the park. I couldn't be happier with the ease of ordering and the final product. The look on her face when she opened that be happy sign in the shape of a honeycomb is something I'll always treasure, and I have Northridge Creations to thank for that. Be sure to follow Northridge Creations on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep up with all of their most recent and exciting products. You can also check out their website, northridgecreations.com, to see their entire catalog of beautiful and stunning pieces. If you see something you like, use promo code FFOL for 15% off. That's FFOL for 15% off. So last week, I said I was going to shake things up and tell a story that definitely won't leave us fearing for our lives. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay, two things. (laughs) One, that name drop was both amazing, but so dramatic. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's the way I live. Dramatic. (laughs) The other thing, I thought you were joking. No. Oh God, no. I want to sleep tonight. Like, (laughs) no joke. I did not sleep well last week. Really? Yeah. Oh. I don't. I don't know. I. I'm a bit of a bitch. We're working on it. As you see, (laughs) I've already started to prepare myself. So, hopefully, I can sleep after talking about mildly scary things soon. Okay. (laughs) Well, I guess I'll strap in for uh, this. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be great, though. Yeah, because we're going to be talking about the crazy events that culminated in the Cleveland Indians forfeiting their game against the Texas Rangers in 1974. Now, forfeits happen. Right. They're not unusual or unheard of in the world of sports, more specifically in our case, Major League Baseball. But prior to the forfeit of this game, there had only been 128 forfeits in 139 years of professional play. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. In fact, it had been 13 years since the last time a game in the MLB had been forfeited. That being said, it's not really the forfeit itself that's interesting. It's why the forfeit happened. And to adequately describe that to you, I feel like I need to give some backstory into the Cleveland Indians as a team and as a franchise. Okay. The Cleveland Indians franchise actually originates from right here in Michigan, where they were known as the Grand Rapids Rustlers. Ooh. Yes. Although (laughs) their tenure as the Rustlers is relatively insignificant, as they would relocate to Cleveland after only six seasons. Still, it feels pretty cool to have a case that originates not that far from home. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland isn't that far from home as is, but... uh. You can keep going. (laughs) Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Uh, Upon arrival in Cleveland, they would rebrand themselves the Cleveland Lakeshores, which is just an awful name, if you ask me. There's nothing that feels like that's a sports team about that name. You know what I mean? Like, some teams will sort of name themselves in a way that it creates a mascot. Okay. Or uh, like Miami Heat is a team where obviously Heat isn't a mascot, but it makes you, it gives you a sense of the way that team plays. <laughs> like it's intense, you know oh what I mean? Oh my God. And a lake shore isn't? That lake could drown you. Sure. I... <laughs> <laughs> lake shore. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I'm so funny. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even mean that. You said that and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one else needs to know. Damn. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, they thankfully mm-hmm. decide to change their name after just one season, but unfortunately, they rebrand themselves the Cleveland Bluebirds, and that is just not that much better. I feel like that's a little bit closer, though. That's like, like the-, the mascot step. Mm-hmm. They were starting to understand, like, oh, 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 we need something (laughs) to represent the team. Right. Now, (laughs) with the next name change, I actually stumbled upon a case within a case. And I'm going to try and make this as quick of a description as possible, but it was super fascinating and definitely worth mentioning. Napoleon Nape (laughs) Lazoe, which that is the correct pronunciation, by the way. I found multiple sites on the internet saying that's how it was said, and all of them said, make it sound French. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nape breaks into the baseball scene in 1896 with the Philadelphia Phillies and is instantly a star. After four seasons, he wants a huge raise, and the Phillies are just unwilling to give it to him. Mm. So he tells him to fuck off. (laughs) And he goes across town to the Philadelphia Athletics where he gets the raise he's looking for. Get it, Napoleon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, this upsets the Phillies. I mean, he just went across town. (laughs) So they decide to take him to court, citing that playing for the Athletics breaches some clause in his original contract. Oof. The courts actually end up agreeing with them and rule that he's not allowed to play for any team, let alone the athletics. However, 
this court ruling is only enforceable in the state of Pennsylvania where both franchises reside. So the athletics trade him to Cleveland where he gets another huge pay raise and they immediately named the team after him. Oh my God. Yeah, they fucking loved their nap. <laughs> I mean, I love a nap too, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> he would serve as both a player and the general manager for quite a few seasons before retiring in 1914. I'm, wow. I know you set the date, like... I think you said like 1896. Yes, that's when he breaks into the baseball scene. Right. I believe it's 1904 is when he is traded to the Cleveland Indians. So he plays with them for about 12 seasons. Just for some reason, when you said when he retires in Mm -hmm. like 1914, Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to be like, oh, yeah, the 70s. Then you... You wanted him to play till he was like a hundred no. years old? No, what I'm saying is I think I blacked out. <laughs> and I totally missed those dates. Okay. And then you blew my mind when you were like 1914. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm the one no, who just No, you're good. You're good. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> After he retires though. Mm-hmm. Cleveland thinks it's weird to have their team named after him since he's no longer with the franchise. Although, I would argue it's weirder to have the franchise named after him while he's on the team, but that's just me. No, I think that's everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine coming to work and the team is named after you. Oh, my ego would inflate so bad. Right? You just walk into the stadium and you're like, You'd like drop your morning coffee cup and you're like, fuck you. The team's named after me. (laughs) I wouldn't even do that. I'd purposely drop it and be like, "Uh uh-oh, the person that all of this is surrounded by me demands another coffee. Oh, wow. Go. (laughs) You're Like, it would be so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be a monster. Thankfully, we're never going to change fearing from our lives. To the Ashley Logan podcast. God, no. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it'd ruin us. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it'd just ruin us. Yeah. (laughs) So they changed the name for a final time to the Cleveland Indians. Now, at the time of recording this, the official Cleveland Indians timeline on MLB.com only lists eight events of importance happening between Nape leaving in 1914 and 1975. Whoa, so we did make it to the 70s. And eight things happened. Wow. Yeah. In comparison, though, the MLB.com lists 20 things of significance happening between 2000 and 2010. Now, Granted, I'm sure some of those bullet points will probably fade as time goes on, mm-hmm. but I still find it to be incredibly disproportionate. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So I decided to dig a little deeper than MLB.com to be able to give you an accurate picture of the state of the franchise. Right. In the 1970s, Cleveland is a city in decay. They become the first city since the Great Depression to default on their loans and they lose 23.6% of their population. Oh, my God. Yeah. Even considering the national trends of the time, that is a staggering amount of people. And at this time, the Cleveland Indians are truly a reflection of the city of Cleveland itself. 
How? Or maybe what do you mean by that? They're both just in decay. They're both not living up to their potential. And uh, I don't know. It's a sad time to be a Clevelandian. A a Clevelandian? Clevelandian? I mean, as a as a student at the University of Michigan, mm-hmm. if you're in Ohio, you're just you know. <laughs> it's always a bad time to be in Ohio. Yeah. What is? Oh no, I'm not. I'm just moving on. I'm not going to try and figure that out. <laughs> in 1974, which is actually the year we're focusing on for this case, it's been nearly 30 years since the last time they had won the World Series. Their stadium, the Cleveland Municipal Stadium or as it's more affectionately known, the mistake by the lake, Jesus, (laughs) is one of the worst stadiums in sports, let alone baseball. There are no real bright spots on their roster other than two future Hall of Fame players who are both nearing retirement. Attendance is trending downward. Between 1972 and 1973, there's a 5.5% drop-off in the average attendance per game. So Cleveland and and like the team, but also just generally the franchise needs to pull it together. Yes. And unfortunately, management does not really do anything about their aging superstars during free agency that year. Uh-huh. They did try to address some of the problems with their aging stadium by upgrading the luxury suites and the scoreboard. Yeah, that happens. Uh, That's so annoying to me. As far as I can tell, the stadiums who are doing that are like, here is one flashy thing that everyone (laughs) has to look at. So let's just fix that and hope they ignore everything else. (laughs) We hope you don't notice that your seat is uncomfortable and falling apart. Look at the shiny scoreboard. Yeah. (laughs) Ah. Just like that. (laughs) Um, They also run a series of promotions throughout the year to try and bolster attendance as they did not want to see a decrease in ticket sales for a second straight year. Right. Did that, did any of that actually help though? Um, kind of. The Cleveland plays their home opener on Wednesday, April 10th in front of 22,036 people, which is a substantial amount of people considering the average attendance per game was 8,030 in 1972 and 7,594 in 1973, which means they had in the neighborhood of 14,000 people more than their average for the previous two years. Nice. I mean, okay. Then why... Did you say only kind of successful? Well, because despite playing in front of 22,000 people just the day before, only 1,910 people show up to their second home game on April 11th. Wow. (laughs) I know. I actually thought that was so ridiculous that I tried to find out if there was a big concert or maybe (laughs) a new play that debuted that night. I was like, why? Why is there a difference so big? Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to find anything that would, with any amount of certainty, decrease the attendance so dramatically. Right. Um, Wow. So I really think that no amount of promotions or renovations could just make up for the fact that the Cleveland Indians were a mediocre team. They actually start their season 0-5. 
Um, you know, I watch hockey. Mm-hmm. I love a good football game. Mm-hmm. But for I don't know that one person out listening <laughs> who doesn't know what oh and five is. I feel like you should explain. Yes, <laughs> for the person listening who right, doesn't right. know what oh and five means, or doesn't remember, or doesn't remember. <laughs> That means they just lost their first five games. Right. They won zero and they lost five. You're welcome, Janice. Yeah. We explained it for you. Well, after their fifth game to an almost empty stadium, they do start to win games here and there. But they would have to play 26 games before being able to break even and become a 500 team. Flash forward to Monday, May 27th. The Cleveland Indians are set to square up against the Texas Rangers. This is Cleveland's first trip to Texas in 1974, and even the first time these two teams will play one another that season. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, or not Janice, listener, but baseball is played in a series of games. And, you know, for... For all the Janices out there, I feel like maybe you should explain what a series is. That means that the Cleveland Indians would play in Texas for the next three nights in a row before moving on to the next team, which they would also play multiple days in a row. Right. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. You know, for for everyone else. You're welcome, Janice. (laughs) (laughs) On the first night, May 27th, the Rangers hosted the Cleveland Indians at Arlington Stadium in Texas, mm-hmm. and they crush the Cleveland Indians 6-0. to zero. Good. <laughs> Fuck Ohio. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's like six people that are great. <laughs> But for the most part, was like fuck Ohio in your like orientation pamphlet or something? You were really stuck on yeah, this. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I you know I went. They gave us a folder. Okay. Had a bunch of little like pamphlets and little sheets of reminders, and one of them was just a bunch of different fonts on a little square sheet that just said over and over again, "Fuck Ohio." <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was part of initiation really right to being so accepted like, into u of m fuck ohio and calabella fuck ohio in times new roman yeah <laughs> comic sans you got comic papyrus <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> wow you know a decent amount of fonts off the top of your head those those are from video games but we'll move on okay <laughs> So the following night, the Cleveland Indians repaid the favor by beating the Rangers nine to nothing. So on May 29th, the teams are set to square up for their third and final game of the series, with the series being tied at one game apiece, with both games having been blown outs. Right. So obviously, both teams want to win this game. But other than the normal intensity of wanting to win the game, I can find no evidence that says these two teams were rivals or held bad blood for each other. They were not in the same conference. They weren't in competing markets in terms of fan base, i.e. Michigan versus Ohio State. Like, um, They're just too far apart to be competing for the same audience. 
Right. Um, I actually found a study that went super in depth into sports rivalries and the psychology behind them. Ooh. But the portion of the paper that was free only described how they quantified such data. (laughs) (laughs) And besides, psychology is your thing. So I was like, man, fuck it. (laughs) I mean, you should still send it to me. I'm pretty sure last episode I said I learned one thing so far. (laughs) So you'd like to learn a second? Well, what I was about to say was I might have learned a second because I should be able to look at that data and be able to tell you what's going on for the most part. If they labeled everything right. (laughs) I did save all of, like, I kept track of everything I used as a reference. So I have that. I can send it to you. You should. I will. Okay. (laughs) Because maybe we'll understand why just being a part of U of M, I immediately went, huh, okay. Fuck Ohio. Fuck Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you gave me such a fun voice. (laughs) Fuck Ohio. (laughs) Fuck Ohio. (laughs) Um... That being said, the game started off relatively normal, with the first two innings of the game going scoreless. Okay. In the third inning, the Rangers do break the tie, however, and they take a one-to-nothing lead into the fourth. In the fourth, we do have some light drama. Ooh. I know you love drama. Uh, I don't know why I'm a monster, (laughs) but I just love that so much. Well, our drama happens when Lenny Randall of the Indians disrupts a throw to second by sliding into the second baseman. Whoa. First of all, of course, it was an Ohio guy, <laughs> given the cheap shots. He's not, a, well, he might be, but he's, he's not automatically from Ohio. He's playing for Ohio. And also, <laughs> what do you mean by sliding into the second baseman? Because when you were saying that at first, I was like, oh, he's just like power sliding into the second base. But then you got really specific. So he's he's intentionally hitting the person trying to catch the ball in an effort to make them drop it. Oh. So like, I don't know, like drop kicking their legs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I, I saw it happen in a recreational softball league once. Oh. Yes, but it was like a 200 something pound man versus like a 90 pound woman. Uh. And I'm. I'm pretty sure it was an accident. I will say that. But in that moment, I was like, oh, fuck, we're about to fight. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing you get ready for a fight would be the silliest thing. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I just can't see you, like, really getting into it. Well, we'd have baseball bats. I'd be all right. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. I could see you, like, doing a fun flip with that and just go on and fucking come at me. (laughs) (laughs) So... The Rangers are able to get out Randall and hold the Cleveland Indians to zero points through the six innings. In the seventh inning, the Rangers add on to their lead, scoring two more runs. So we're at three to nothing. We're at three to nothing, and we make it to the top of the eighth. Randall is up to bat, and I don't know if the ball slips or if it's a warning shot or he just missed. But the pitcher throws the ball right at Randall and just barely misses him. Like, it was right behind him. I watched a video of it, and it had to have been, like, an inch behind his back. And they don't, like, they're throwing those footballs. 
Baseballs, baseballs. Yes. yes. I don't know if anyone can tell, but I'm Janice, and I don't know anything <laughs> about baseball. I don't even know what ball they're throwing. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know that the average velocity between now and then, but I'm going to wager we're throwing harder now than they were then. But- yeah, I was just about to say, I've seen people like throwing a. I almost said football again. Throwing a baseball and it being clocked at like 95 miles per hour or something crazy. Right. I'm going to bet that dude's not throwing 90, but it's going to hurt if he gets hit. You're right. Yeah. Ugh. So because it's going to hurt if he gets hit, Randall does not appreciate this. On the next throw, he lays down a bunt that is heading down the first baseline, which means it's the pitcher's responsibility to leave the mound, retrieve the ball, and either tag Randall before he makes it to first mm-hmm. or throw it to first. Okay. The pitcher picks up the ball and immediately Randall elbows this dude in the <gasps> face, causing him to practically do a backflip. All right, never mind. I don't care where Randall's from. <laughs> He's from Ohio now. He's <laughs> Or if we want to talk about hockey, maybe he's from Boston. Fuck Marshan. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered him licking people. Ugh. Someday Brad Marshand is going to try and listen to this podcast. And, and I hope he stops. It, it, he's going to make... <laughs> He's going to listen to it, and he's going to be like, wow, I really enjoy this. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're just going to be like, fuck Brad Marchand. And he's going to be like, oh. I, you know, for some reason, I'm in a fighting mood today. It's because you brought up Ohio, oh, to my, be honest. Oh, probably. my God. I'm so sorry. I brought up one of the 50 states. I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah, but it's one that you know I can't like. I it's did not the know forms this. you have to sign. <laughs> Needless no, to say, fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I am being a little aggressive. Yeah, I don't like Marshan. Fuck Marshan. But I guess, like I said earlier, there might be a few Ohio wins that are fine. <laughs> but fuck Randall too. <laughs> Needless to say, Randall does not make it to first. He is immediately tackled, and both benches clear for this brawl. Yeah. Other than the Indians catcher, David Duncan, trying to climb into the bleachers while taunting audience members, Mm -hmm. no spectators were involved, and the brawl was able to be broken up relatively quickly. Well, that's good. Yeah. After regaining order, the teams are able to finish the game, and it has a final score of 3-0 Rangers. Wait, so this, that didn't forfeit. They finished the game. Is this not the game we were talking about? No. This brawl takes place just six days before the Cleveland Indians are set to host the Texas Rangers in Cleveland. And that is the game that ends in a forfeit. Oh, okay. So this game was just really like the catalyst for this next game then. Yes. Like it's the setup. Yes. This, okay. th- they started preheating the events of the next game. <laughs> They were Uh, ready to bake those muffins. They were ready to (laughs) bake those muffins. (laughs) After the game, the Rangers general manager was um, being interviewed, and they asked him, are you going to take your armor to Cleveland? Kind of referring to the fact that, you know, they just got in a bench-clearing brawl. Right. To which he replies, nah, they won't have enough fans there to worry about. 
Oh shit! <laughs> oh, get him, Texas. <laughs> and I mean, he's not wrong. The next time the two teams will face each other is on Tuesday night, and Cleveland's average attendance for Tuesday night games that season was only 4,278 people up to that point. Okay. For comparison, the average attendance for Texas Ranger games on Tuesday nights up to that point is 10,648. Okay, I yeah. see what <laughs> what he's calling them out for. So he's throwing some serious shade, but it's it's true. Yeah, at least he's not. I mean, it's a cheap shot. Definitely, definitely a cheap shot. But at the same time, hey, fuck Ohio, have more fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop hitting me and play the damn game. <laughs> so obviously. The city of Cleveland does not like that comment. No. And Cleveland radio host Pete Franklin, along with many other broadcasters, journalists, and cartoonists, they spend the next six days rallying the tribe of Cleveland Indians fans against the Rangers. And boy, did it work. Oh, more than 25,000 holy passionate shit. and frustrated fans show up in support of their Cleveland Indians. Oh my god. That is 6 times the amount of average attendance for Tuesday night games. Management was totally taken by surprise. They weren't expecting anywhere near 25,000 people. Between all of the media attention and the promotion for 10 cent beers they were running that night. <laughs> nice. They only expected a crowd of 8,000 people. Oh my God. Wait, okay. So they're expecting 8,000 people. There's 25,000 people. Yes. How many guards are there? There's 50 security Jesus guards on the hand. wheel. <laughs> oh my God. And not to mention, it's 10 cent beer night. Oh, I'm getting turned. <laughs> right? Like, oh my God, you flip a guy a quarter and you get two beers and a nickel back? <laughs> That's amazing. I found a quote from former NBC executive Tim Russert saying, I went to that game with $2 in my pocket. You do the math. Jesus. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't super relevant, but I thought it was hilarious. And I guess it does show you, like, how much alcohol was being consumed. Oh, yeah. Because, like, we aren't in the 1900s. Like, 10 cents isn't really worth a whole lot in the 70s in the way that it would have been before. You just keep popping dimes behind, behind the corner. And I believe, I can't remember where I read this, so this might be a little wrong, but I believe mm-hmm. the average cost of beer is 70 cents per game. Oh, my God. So, like, one-seventh of the price. Like, it's not even a half-off beer. Like, this thing is dirt cheap. Also, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but prior to the National Minimum Drinking Age Act, which was passed in 1984, the legal drinking age was actually subject to state laws. Mm-hmm. And at this time in Ohio, the legal drinking age is 18 for beer under 3.2% alcohol and 21 for wine, liquor, and beer over 3.2%. So 
I'm just going to assume that everyone over the age of 18 was there getting fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine being a college kid in the 70s? Like, it's not that hard to get booze now. (laughs) I'm going to just toss that fun fact out there. Uh, But, like, it's not, you don't even have to, like, sneak around or hope you know someone who doesn't care. Right. You can just be like, nah, I got it. (laughs) Keep the change, flick them that quarter. (laughs) That's crazy. Yes. So, just to summarize, we have 25,000 fans with access to cheap beer (laughs) who are angry at the Rangers after the loss in the previous week and being belittled by the team's manager. So things go off the rails rather quickly. Yeah. (laughs) That's a recipe for disaster. Yes. (laughs) The Rangers jump out to a 5-1 to lead super quick, and the already inebriated crowd grow more inebriated and more unruly. LaRon Lee of the Cleveland Indians hits a line drive that dropped the pitcher, and fans actually started cheering and chanting, Hit him again! Hit him again! Harder! Harder! Jesus Christ. How long did that take you? (laughs) (laughs) More time than I probably should have spent on that, but in my defense, I was bored of doing research. Oh my God. And I got to that point and I was like, huh, I'm a test out if I know how to make a crowd noise. <laughs> I mean, it sounds good. It sounds all right. <laughs> Honestly, most people said I shouldn't put it in the episode, but fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who needs them? I mean, I probably shouldn't have, but I wanted to give you an accurate picture of how horrifying it would be to have 20,000 or 20 of me start chanting (laughs) that at you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you walk in and you're like, oh, this is going to be no big deal. And then you're immediately like, oh, we should have brought armor. Yeah, we should have brought armor. (laughs) And then people start chanting at you cheering for your pain like poor texas yeah so we have some fan interaction throughout the game nice we have one woman who runs onto the field and flashes her breasts get it candace (laughs) (laughs) we have a naked man who sprints uh who sprints to second base as a home run is hit (laughs) um We have a father-son pair who run into the outfield and moon the fans and the bleachers. What a bunch of kids. Yeah. Just trying to bond, you know, with your son. (laughs) And you're like, hey, this is getting fucking nuts. You want to go do something crazier? And he's just like, sure, dad. Little Timmy, now that you've seen your first breasts... You want to go show a bunch of people your ass? And he's like, yeah, papa. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, (sighs) As the game progresses, more fans run onto the field and cause more problems. Uh, We have the first baseman getting pelted with hot dogs and spit. (sighs) Jesus. Um, At one point, 
there was a player who was nearly struck by an empty gallon jug of Thunderbird, which I looked it up and it was like, it's like a glass bottle of <gasps> like liquor or wine or some shit. So like that would have hurt. Yeah. Like that would have been KO. <laughs> I bet the fans would have started cheering though. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is a bunch of angry Angry Cleveland fans. Yes. That guy started bleeding. It's a free-for-all. That's a party. <laughs> it becomes Mardi Gras. No one's got a shirt on. Oh, God. Honestly, like, there is such a long list of things that happen during this game. This is literal just chaos. It is literal chaos, but that's nothing. What? In the ninth inning... The Cleveland Indians managed to tie up the game and make it five to five. Oh, God. And their fans lose the damn mind. I was just about to say, if they had been losing like uh, the whole time, yeah. everyone would have just kept drinking and going, damn it. I mean, I'm drunk, but right. this is what we're anticipating. <laughs> but now it's a game and it's like, yeah, fucking go. Fucking go. <laughs> So we have oh, no. a 19-year-old fan, oh. so old enough to drink, run onto the field and attempt to steal Texas outfielder Jeff Burrow's baseball cap. Oh, that's not okay. No. That's his that's his uniform. That's his uniform. <laughs> you can moon everyone. You can But you leave that man's property alone, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> when confronting the fan, Burrow turns around and accidentally trips. From the dugout, it looks as if Burrow is attacked, and the Texas manager grabs a baseball bat and leads a charge of his players oh onto the God. field. Oh, my God. Everything's bigger in Texas. Let's sit the <laughs> fuck down. This is not the time. I'm really imagining. I mean, obviously, he did this instantaneous, but I would have loved like a Brave Hardian speech where he is like, Prepare thyself, brothers! Arm yourselves with baseball bats, as Kenny did last week! <laughs> oh and head into the glory of battle! Oh my god. <laughs> and then <laughs> someone gets a horse out of fucking nowhere, and he's yeah. just like, oh my god. Well... Obviously, a large number of intoxicated fans see this as a challenge. Oh, no. And they charge onto the field. And there's only 50 guards and doing their damn And there's only 50 guards. And some of those intoxicated fans had knives oh. or chains, which I don't know where the fuck they found a chain. Probably, and honestly, probably in the deteriorating building. Probably. It's old. It's the worst stadium in all of sports, and all they did was fix the scoreboard. <laughs> I hope I mean, they got that chain from the scoreboard. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're saying that. I'm almost picturing, I don't know why, but I'm picturing little Timmy reaching. I'm assuming these chairs were, like, metal, and I almost see him, like, grabbing a part of the seat that's all rusted and just yanking it out and going, let's go, papa. <laughs> you know what's funny? Oh, no. The stadium seats are actually wood. Oh. But they're old wood, and people did rip them <gasps> apart to fashion clubs and shivs. 
Jesus Christ. I was joking. <laughs> it was a joke. Timmy's fictional. Oh, my God. So seeing this, Cleveland decides, whoa, we're about to watch a baseball team be murdered. Wait, this is when they've decided to say, whoa? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how quickly. The, uh, this is probably happening all relatively fast. I, I watched the footage and it was fucking chaos. <laughs> So the Cleveland Indians run onto the field, also armed with baseball bats. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Maybe they're the ones who gave the speech, not the initial team. The initial team no. was like, oh shit, we gotta save Burrow. And this right. team was like, arm yourself, brothers! <laughs> so they run onto the field and they form a circle around the Texas Rangers. Oh my God. Because they figured, hey, there are fans. They're not going to be as stupid yeah, with us. They're not going to be as stupid. Right. And they move their circle back to the dugout. Oh, my God. And like into the dugout and they barricade themselves in the locker rooms. Jesus Christ. The 50 guards are obviously unable to contain <laughs> the situation. And the police are called and the police force of Cleveland has to show up and you know try and I, I don't even know what to say like I, I feel like at this point the police are probably like oh it's like probably a small group of kids who got way too drunk we'll just you know send a couple <laughs> paddy wagons it'll be fine and they show up and like at this point the drunk people don't even fucking care it's just yeah. a sea of chaos on the field they're beating each other Timmy's just screaming on his father's shoulders Ugh. it's a mess well the umpire crew chief realizes we're not gonna get this game back up and running no <laughs> and he forfeits the game to Texas he, too, was a victim of the riot. He had been struck in the head with part of the stadium seat, uh, stadium seats. Oh, my and God. And his hand was cut by thrown rocks. Oh, my God. Yes. He, he goes on to call the fans uncontrollable beasts and Ohio. states he's never seen anything like what happened except in a zoo. Which, I don't know what the fuck kind of zoo he's going to. I've never seen something like that. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know what hours you're going, but in the normal working hours, everything's asleep. <laughs> Obviously, this is such a chaotic event, you know, and the teams do make it out safely, the... The Cleveland Indians escort the Rangers all the way to their bus. Good boys. Good boys. I told you there's like six. <laughs> I'm pretty sure baseball, like that's a baseball team's got to be like 20 people. I don't know. Yeah. Some of them are only being told what to do. Can I just oh, oh, by the six. I got by it. By the six. It. Yeah. Uh, obviously, after the game, everyone is pointing fingers in different directions. Well, yeah. Know, the city's like, it was the booze. And uh, Cleveland's like, no, it was the media who got them all stirred up. And they're like, no. So it was fucking Texas. It was fucking Texas. <laughs> but we way, love Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Texas is cool. <laughs> <laughs> We've never been. At least, have you been? No. Yeah, no, I've not been okay. to Texas. Fuck Ohio, I've been there. 
<laughs> a few times. That's funny though. Yeah. Like this is this will end it. Okay. The Cleveland Indians did not learn their lesson. Well, they kind okay, they kind of learned their lesson. <sighs> and they still ran beer promotions that season. Oh my god. But they did decide to put a limit on it. Like you couldn't just drink as much as you wanted anymore. Well, do they put a limit on the promotions, but not a limit on how many drinks you can have? So, like, you can get three beers for 10 cents, but if you keep coming back and give me 25 cents, here's another oh, beer. Oh, I don't know. You're Ooh. asking the real questions, and I was not prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're fine. I didn't really expect you to just have that in the tank. <laughs> I, I do have one more fun fact in the tank, and then Ooh. and then we can get to all the, like, follow us at Fearing for Our Lives and all that mumbo-jumbo. Thanks. Um... The next beer night promotion on July 18th uh-huh. attracts 42,000 fans. Jesus. I keep saying his name, but we're not there and he can't fix it at this point. But if only he was listening. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm now, just they, th- had, they had more than 50 guards, though, right? Oh, I don't know. God. <laughs> I mean, no riots broke out, so hopefully... <laughs> Even then, I don't know what the guard ratio would have to be to make me feel safe. You know what I mean? Like, if there's 41,000 people, I would kind of want 41,000 guards. <laughs> this is a stadium where people can literally rip up the seats to protect themselves and or make shifts. Um, everyone needs a one-to-one ratio. Yeah, you you give in, like, you give your ticket at, ch- like, the not the check-in, whatever the fuck. You give your ticket, and they're like, awesome, here's your personal armed guard for the evening. And you're like, thank you, thank you very much. No, that's just for the luxury suites, Ken. Come on now. <laughs> they come with their own bodyguard. They're sitting in a luxury suite. Right. That was the upgrade. That was the upgrade. They also have shit seats. <laughs> <laughs> That was really good. Well, thank you. You're thank welcome. You. I mean, I feel like it was still scary. Mm. Like, can you imagine being like, maybe you're someone who's had a few drinks, but you're not like Ronald and Timmy over there who <laughs> are just getting back from the mooning sesh. And you're like, wow, this is getting pretty crazy. And then suddenly everyone around you, like there's a riot on the field and then people are sprinting out of their seats with shivs and you're just like, I made a bad decision. I should not be here. (laughs) So the reason I don't find this particularly scary is Mm -hmm. like after I see that woman's breasts, I'm probably leaving. I'm like, it was a good day. I I don't need to see the rest of this baseball game. (laughs) You know, I was here for the beer. I'm pretty done. I saw some titties. I I can leave now. (laughs) I could go to bed right now. So, yeah, I would leave before that situation got anywhere near to where it did. That's why I didn't find it scary. But I guess, like, thinking about it, if I was there in that moment, I I would be scared. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. I feel like the next time you need to do something, like, either spooky Mm -hmm. or really gross. Got it. Ted Bundy it is. Cannibalism coming up. Jesus Christ. I will find you, like, six other cannibals. Ted Bundy is so (laughs) overrated. I will just have Cannibal Month. Ew, no. <laughs> we won't go that far. Well, if you've listened this far, thank you so much. We really appreciate all of your support. Feel free 
to reach out if there's anything in particular about the case you loved. I was so ecstatic getting that message this uh this past week and I loved being able to share that story with you. So if if there's anything that you'd ever want us to share on air and it feels appropriate, I'll say that. We'll, we're more than happy to share it. We love interacting with everyone. Yeah, and the best way to do that is either by following all of our social media accounts at FFOL Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You could find us at our website at fearingforourlives.com or you could just email us at contact at fearingforourlives.com Reach out. Tell Reach us out. what you think. Give us five stars. Oh, yeah. If you're on Apple, like I said last week, I don't know what it does, but you should do it. <laughs> I mean, if you pull it up, I just got an iPhone. If you pull it up yeah. it, to listen to it on an iPhone, it says, this has been rated five stars. So. Oh. Well, I think in terms of like an algorithm somewhere, mm. like you'll show up higher on lists and you'll get more listens and got it, got it, got all that it. other stuff. So, yeah, five stars. Yeah. If you think it's four stars, just don't. You're probably from Ohio. It's whatever. <laughs> oh, God. Is that everything? I think so. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, everyone have a great night. Great week. See you next week. Yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>